Hi friends, Heather here. So we launched a thing called The Down Syndrome. It is a global movement to shift the Down Syndrome narrative. With storytelling and relationship at its core, This Is Down Syndrome will offer an expansive, relatable, and transformative look into what it really means to live with Down Syndrome. So through powerful images and bite-sized engaging stories, we will show a variety of aspects of living with Down Syndrome. We will do this by photographing and highlighting not only people who have Down Syndrome, but their parents, siblings, grandparents, extended family members, friends, anybody connected to a person with Down Syndrome. We want to tell your stories. You can go to thisisdownsyndrome.com or on Instagram, we are this.is.down.syndrome to learn more. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather. Mercedes. And today we are so honored and thrilled that we will be joined by Catherine Beck, who has spent the past decade lobbying for the ABLE Act in Congress. Don't know what that is? That's good. You're going to know all about it by the time the episode is over. We're so excited to hear about her experience as an advocate and mother to an adult daughter with Down syndrome. Thank you, friends, for joining us, and welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Mercedes, I'm going to put you on the spot. Hi. Good to see you. (laughs) Are you familiar with the ABLE Act? I am slightly. I definitely need someone to break it down for me and to tell me more. Yes. I heard about it. There were some people at Club 21 when Mason was real little who were were doing a lot of work with it. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things I feel like, you know, because Mason's 12 and Augie Mm -hmm. and Sunny are seven. And I think that we're still in it. Like your kid comes home and it's like medical, 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 medical. And then it's like school, 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 school. And I think for me, there wasn't, I didn't think about money and savings and future in that regard. Yeah. So it, because I feel like it wasn't the, the battle to choose, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So I, I'm excited to hear Catherine um, talk about this because it is really important for us and our kiddos. Um, I think starting from the get-go, right. The we just didn't have to think about it, you know? Right. Right. Our kiddos are little. And, and maybe to, um, I feel like I've, I've had some friends think about it, but when it's not natural, you know, like, cause I think to, if correct me if I'm wrong, they, if a person with down syndrome has a certain amount of money saved, then they don't qualify for other opportunities. Is that correct? Well, we'll find out, but (laughs) don't let me mess it up. But I did remember people thinking about it simultaneously because they're thinking about the future of their child with down syndrome and how to financially set them up. Well, so anyways, anywho, we'll let the We'll let the professional go, yes. but 
I do remember that. And then that being an issue and that things were changing and we needed to raise our voices and so forth. And I'm so happy we have someone to break that down for us today. Totally. Me too. And I also feel like it's planning. I think planning for a financial future for me as an independent is already something that I feel like I didn't get to soon enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like then to think totally. of it for my kid as a, as a little tiny kid, it's like, oh no, like with Mason as a baby. Oh no, we're just doing heart surgery right now. Like we yeah. got to get through heart surgery. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but it's, but it's all so important. There's so many pieces to the puzzle, which is why we are here for you friends, right? Listeners. That's why we're here for you. Before we do that, Mercedes, will you read our review for, yes. okay. for today's episode? So before we jump in with Miss Catherine, I want to read a review by Laura KB12. And she says, a joyful and real look at raising a child with Down syndrome. The guests are really high quality and the discussion is both relatable and inspiring. The topics are wide reaching and thoughtful. These women get it. Yeah, we do, Heather. And provide a respectful and honest voice to help guide my reflections on being one of the lucky few. I'm really thankful for this podcast. I love it. Thank you. I am. (laughs) I know. Laura, Laura K B12. I'm grateful that that's what the podcast has been for you because those are all the things we're trying to do. So yes, thank you for sharing that. And please don't forget to review the show on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so we can read it out loud. Maybe next week. Um, we love reading these and appreciate your support so much. Yes, so much. Okay, friends, without further ado, we are so excited to introduce you to Catherine Beck. She is a longtime advocate for the ABLE Act that allows individuals with Down syndrome to save money in a tax advantage savings account. And she is a mother to an adult daughter who has Down syndrome. So she's part of the lucky few. Catherine Beck, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so proud and honored to be part of this group. Um, I'm a mom, just like so many of you listening here today. And Stephen, my husband, was just a dad, just a dad who saw a need and said, we deserve to save for our children. And we were in fear, just like all of you are. We didn't want to do something wrong. We didn't want to lose our benefits. We all need the support that we get to raise our children. Um, And I'm so happy to be here today to speak to you about this. Um, I love it. Let's start, let's start back with who, tell us more about you and your family. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your daughter or all your children. Oh, great. Natalie (laughs) is 21 (laughs) and, uh, the 21 years flew by. She has a sister, Mary Rose who's 23. Um, Mary Rose is typical. She's a nurse. Um, we unfortunately lost Steve who, uh, it was my husband and the father of Natalie and Mary. Um, and he, you might've heard his name before because he's the namesake. His name is actually on the federal able legislation as a symbol of you, all of you as a symbol of a parent who said, this isn't right. We need to do something about this. And people considered him the quarterback to, um, get people together and take action to make a right for us. 
And that's us. Natalie is awesome. She has changed our world. Um, I often think about what it would be like to not have her in our lives. <laughs> and it would not be as fun. It would be shallow. I truly believe that. It would be yeah. shallow. I love that. Yes. I would feel the same if I didn't have my sunny girl. It would be shallow, lacking depth that um, having a child with Down syndrome brings to a life. Yeah. It's so. every day. It, it's just amazing. COVID has been tolerable. Thank you, Natalie, <laughs> because I'm here working and she's here virtual school and she just brightens the day. <laughs> That's really sweet. Um, okay. Let's, let's get to the able act. So tell our listeners and I really tell Mercedes and me, if you are listening to our intro, we still have a lot to learn, but, yeah. um, two, yeah, two pieces. So what is the able act? And then also if you can bring in there, um, why, why it was important to happen, what was going on before the able act when it came to saving money for people with disabilities? Okay. So let's make it really simple. It's a tool to save. That's what it is. It's a savings account. And it's a savings account that you can use for many of, thing, of the things that you are going to need and you need right now for your child with a disability. And this, this is for any person with a disability who um, the disability, where the disability was identified before the age of 26. So it's not just for children with Down syndrome, it's for a whole host of people. You can, it's a savings account and you can use the funds for transportation, education, therapies, legal fees, assistive technology. There's all kinds of supports that you can um, use it for. It's a savings account. It's a way to save a along with some other things that you might have um, available to you. We needed this because we all know $2,000. How many of you have heard that? Don't save any more than $2,000 in your child's name or you're going to lose your supported benefits. Things like Medicaid or SSI. ABLE allows you to save without that threat. Mm -hmm. And for us, that was big because when Natalie was born, we were um, in a county that had early intervention services, but we were continually hearing about budget cuts from the state and the county and wondered how long are these going to be here? And if they're not here, we need to save money for Natalie so she can still get those supports. Mm -hmm. There's other ways to save. There's trust accounts, um, but those have high startup costs mm -hmm. and ongoing legal and maintenance costs and an extremely high tax rate. And we mm -hmm. found that out the hard way because ABLE wasn't available for Natalie when she was born in 1999. So the only thing that we found that we could do was create a trust account for trust account for her. So we did, and we didn't have a whole lot of money, but we put what we could in there, just like we mm -hmm. put what we could in savings accounts for Mary, our mm -hmm. child who is typical. And as the years went by, we watched the funds in Natalie's trust account grow, and the funds in Natalie in Mary's savings accounts grow. Mary had um, savings accounts with tax advantages. Natalie mm. didn't. And Natalie's money, we were spending just to keep it, just to maintain it. The, um, right. the, we were watching Natalie's or Mary's 
account grow and grow. And Natalie's was getting nowhere, even though we continued to put what money we could into it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was obvious to us that it just was not the right thing to do, especially when we were watching services erode because counties, states, federal government no longer supported those benefits. Mm. So we moved to Virginia in 2002. And um, that's when Steve started his campaign along with other parents. It was just parents, mm. just like you and I saying, we need to do something about this. We need to settle the inequities, the economic inequities. And at this point, Natalie was six, Mary was nine. Um, and there were other people around us who were in the same boat and our physical proximity to DC and the availability to get a hold of people, it just made it easy for us to advocate. Um, and things just started to roll. More and more people got involved, more groups got involved. But do you remember how many, how many years ago did you start working on this? Like okay, the, it was I, about 2002. Okay. Mm -hmm. In 2014, the law passed. Yeah. And what, and, what are the, I mean, what are the lobbying efforts that are taking place during that time? What are the things that, what are the, th the things that needed to happen from 2002 oh, to 2014 for it to, that, to pass? Okay. So you had to, we had to get all the disability groups together. Hmm. It, you know, all, not only the Down syndrome groups, but all the other disability groups, there are so many groups out there. Mm -hmm. um, and you had to get everyone to agree on how are we going to do this and what did we want? And the bill that we started out with was not the same as the act that was passed. Um, and so it also had to go through several Congresses every four years when members come in and out and start all over again. Wow. So it started and stopped several times through those four years. So you had to get everyone to agree. You had to get all of the, um, all the political parties on board. But the amazing thing is that when it passed, it was a landmark passage because both sides um, concurred. There were 458 co-sponsors in the House and Senate, and it was the most bipartisan piece of legislation in the 113th Congress. Wow. Um, and to date, there hasn't been anything like it. Wow. So, and we did that. We did that. Parents did that. Mm -hmm. And self, and here's another cool thing. At the end, self-advocates stormed the Capitol. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm almost afraid to say that because of what, what just happened, but we know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. In the right, in the right and good ways. And then the, in the right way. yes. respectfully, peacefully. And they told their story and that's what it took. It took them to tell their story mm -hmm. of this is what I face. Mm -hmm. And you have to think of the many faces of the differing abilities that our population has. Yeah. Um, they're physical, they're cognitive, they're all over the map. And so they're all different. And that's, what's great about able, because you have your money and you use it the way that you need it to be used. But these individuals went into the Capitol and sat down and told their story of, this is what I face. 
in my day-to-day life. And this is why I can't be a fruitful member of society because I'm so limited and what I can do because I can't have any money. Mm. Um, and that was all just the way that our government was structured or, mm-hmm. or our laws were structured. And that's one of the surprises you had. One of the questions that you had me ponder was what was the surprise? Mm-hmm. And it, the surprise was how little the representatives and their staffers knew about our world. They had no idea mm-hmm. that we couldn't save more than $2,000. Um, and yeah. until you experience something firsthand, you don't know. Yeah. So Catherine, the ABLE Act was signed into law in 2014. What changes or additions have happened between then and now that you think is important for our listeners to know about? Uh, one thing that happened was um, the ABLE to Work Act was passed. And that allowed a person who has a job to save up to the federal poverty level which is um, about $11,770 in addition to their annual contribution limit of $14,000. So in basic terms, you work, you can save your money. Hmm. So how ironic is that, that our children can work, but not save their money? Right. That's how <laughs> restrictive our laws are. Isn't, doesn't that sound counterintuitive? Very much um, so. Another thing that was uh, passed was a uh, financial planning act. And so if you have a 529 for one of your children, and that's an account that allows you to save for education, mm-hmm. um, it could, you could save for private education as well as post-secondary education. And you don't use all the funds for your child. You could roll it over to an ABLE account. Wow. Each- okay. And we recently did that. Mary Rose, my older daughter, finished her bachelor's degree and had some money left over and we rolled it over to Natalie's ABLE account. Very cool. Very cool. I love that it's continuing to grow and um, meet needs as those needs arise. Right. You know, this started a momentum where you'll see other things spin off of this. Right. That's wild. We've had um, Kayla McEwen. Do you you know Kayla McEwen? Mm -hmm. She's a lobbyist with Down syndrome. Yes. She works. Yeah. So she's been on the podcast a couple of times and she is an incredibly inspirational powerhouse Mm -hmm. advocate woman that we're grateful to have um, in our space, in our world, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's so it's time and time again, parents are such amazing advocates and leaders in this space. And I feel like the shout out really goes to our children with disabilities who open our eyes, you know, and give us the strength to open our mouths and to use our abilities to make a change, you know, because there is still, I think we're seeing time and time again, there's still so much work to be done. Mm -hmm. Like our country is beautiful and it's so good in so many ways. And I feel like that's because the work is continuing to be done. Like it's not, it's, we're not, we haven't arrived, Mm. you know, and I feel, I don't know. I just love the example of that and how you mentioned that, you know, people didn't know that it was only $2,000 that you could save. And I mean, that's a joke. What do you you mean? You can't do that. And we would explain to them because our children were placed in the same 
uh, category as someone who was poor. Mm -hmm. Medicaid was modeled after a a program for people who did not have funds. Mm -hmm. Then it meant that they had to be poor. Yeah. Um, You know, and people went into the capital saying, hey, I could, I have an education. I have the ability to maintain a job, but I can't drive. Mm -hmm. And I need funds to get me to work. And if I could get to work, I could work. Right. Right. Um, Or if I had a communicative, communicative device, I could communicate and work, but I can't Mm -hmm. afford it. And I can't get it through my government benefits. But if I could save the money, I'd buy it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any, um, I'm putting on the spot here. This isn't a question we sent ahead of time, but giving those examples, do you have any of those examples that stand out for you from people you've interacted with, or even with your own daughter, like where the being able to have that savings has been oh, yes. super helpful or transformational for them? Transformational. Natalie went to public school with Fairfax County public schools, had a great experience until she got to middle school. And then she went to an, an enormous um, school where she was so limited in what she could do. And, and we, we did not feel that they were educating her right. Mm -hmm. So we found out about uh, St. John Paul, the great school in Dumfries, and they had a program where Natalie could totally assimilate and participate and do everything that every other child in that school did and get educated and get educated not just put through the motions, held accountable and um, given goals and opportunities. It was a private school. Mm-hmm. We had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. It was worth every cent. We used no. some able funds to pay for it. Um, you know, we did it. Natalie graduated from there. She was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. She was the homecoming queen voted by her peers. It was euphoria euphoria for her um and it was worth it it was so so worth it that's beautiful yeah i love that i love that story it's so good what would you say you have learned while raising your child with Down syndrome, your daughter? I I think that one of the things that I've learned, and again, it's one of those things that are the surprise is that things, we think that ADA had given people with varying abilities a door to live a life. But what it didn't do was it didn't bring the typical world to us. Mm. It brought us to them, but there was nothing out there to bring them to us. And I feel feel still to this day that we need to help the typical world feel more comfortable in dealing with our children with Down syndrome or with anyone Mm -hmm. who's not typical. Mm-hmm. Um, when we wanted to have Natalie included through the years, it was always with a caveat that we had to pay more or we had to supply extra resources to help the typical people manage her inclusion. Right. I would love to see it where it, 
we have a point where the the typical world says, okay, we're going to help you. And we are going to educate ourselves and we are going to learn how we can do this and support as a team, right. support everyone. So they're all included and we can all manage it. Right. And I feel like until inclusion starts in our schools in our public schools, it, that's still going to be so far out of reach. And it starts with inclusion from the get-go mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. preschool, from kindergarten, Someone recently said to me, he was an educator in, um, in an advanced program for children who are now into vocational training after high school. We have all these supports around the children throughout their educational years. And then all of a sudden they reach, they age out, they reach at age 21, age 22. And we say, okay, go ahead. And we throw them out there to the world and all those supports are no longer there. Um, Mm. and we expect them to survive and continue for all these years. We've coddled them and secluded them in to this protective environment. And then Mm -hmm. boom, they're out there. (laughs) How can we expect them to go on and continue and survive? So that was the, a surprise for me as far as how little the world does come to the person. Mm-hmm. Um, with the varying ability to do their part to make it more inclusive, to make it work. Mm-hmm. It's still the same today. I have to say that. Oh, it was definitely, you know, it was 21 years ago. It wasn't there and it's still there today. Mm-hmm. I um, just recently had an IEP. I homeschool. My daughter's sunflower, she's seven and we homeschool and, um, through our charter, we still do an IEP and we have a team and you can go to what's called enrichment centers. And obviously with COVID that wasn't like all last year, they were closed the in-person enrichment centers and there's now outdoor opportunities and for sunflower, she has down syndrome, she's seven. She is potty trained, all that, but she has limited speech and, um, you know, could use a one-on-one to help guide her through a classroom setting, a general ed classroom setting that is especially outdoors. And so I was bringing this up to the IEP team and it's interesting because on one hand, they will, um, suggest supports to help support sunflower. And then when I bring up a one-on-one, then it's all of a sudden, well, that's really restrictive and we want the least restrictive environment. And I lovingly reminded them that, (laughs) um, we definitely want least restrictive, but I think it's really restrictive for her to have one-on-one all the time of OT with an adult, um, PT speech. And that I think least restrictive is being the opportunity to be in these classroom settings with someone to help guide her when she needs it, when she needs it, when she needs it, like just like every other child, just like every other child. And my goal is that a one-on-one aide wouldn't be doing hand over hand coddling her, but would be a shadow in the background. But it's funny how they, when, even when you have a system in place to aid families or to aid a person who's poor, those things still need to be fine-tuned, tweaked. Just because there's something in place, it doesn't make it correct forever. 
right? Like there's growth in that there is opportunity for change and to better all the situations. And just like in Congress, like they have something in place, Medicaid, but Hey, there was a hiccup there that needs to change. This is great, but this needs to change. I just think that's such a continual reminder um, for our world that, you know, there are still room for improvements for change. And just because there's a system in place, it doesn't mean that it's perfect. It doesn't mean that that's true for everyone. And I love that what you guys have done with ABLE, you've created, you've been trailblazers to create opportunity for a whole community of thousands, millions of people, you know, it's huge. Right. And it, and it is, it's another thing that we have to look at. It's another thing that a parent after a tiring day has to sit down and think about, and I can understand why people might not have the time or the strength to do this. And they have a fear that they're going to do something wrong because we know that fine line that we walk on. And, um, this was made to be simple. It's just like opening up a bank account. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um, programs out there with people who are willing to help you and help you understand how to open an account. It's very simple, how to maintain a, an account. And there's not a requirement that you have a lot of money. You start when your children are young and you put in a little, a little bit that you can and, and hopefully watch it grow. Okay. What is the best way for our listeners to to open an account? What's their best next step when this podcast is over? Mm-hmm. So um, there are so many choices out there and you have a choice that your state supports. You also have national choices, choices that you can make. Um, so you, you have to look at the programs and see which, which program's best for you. I favor ABLE now because it's here in Virginia and um, I support them as being a board member. Um, but there are a lot of flexible programs out there. Um, so it varies state by state, uh, what's available to you. Go to uh, your state uh, and see what, what your options are. Okay. Is there a website, an ablenow.com website? Yes, ablenow.com okay. website. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to, to um, throw that out there, but yes, ablenow. Yeah. Able Now um, is available. And um, also there are um, a lot of support groups have information about Able, like the ARC. Um, there's uh, a lot of information available. If you just Google Able account, you're gonna get a lot of different links that you can look at. Perfect, a good old Google search always Google does search. it. Yeah, and I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna give you too much information because I, don't want to influence someone to go to a certain way because again, like we said, everyone has a unique take on it and, and, um, unique circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you are, but you are near the Hill, you are in the place where the action happens right. near DC. What, and you with a daughter who's, who's 21 and you, you know, you and your husband, trailblazed this act, the ABLE Act, what is happening now? Or what do you think needs to be happening in terms of we need legislature to protect people with Down syndrome, to support them? What do you see or think needs to be happening right Uh, now? 
there are um, other acts that, that um, other pieces of legislation that are being looked at. One was just announced this week to raise the age limit or the requirement age. Like right now you have to be identified as disabled before the age of 26. Legislation just wasn't reintroduced to change that to 46. And that would open it up for so many people, especially for um, young um, veterans who, mm -hmm. when you look at veterans, the years that they become disabled, that's right in that window. And they can use ABLE accounts mm -hmm. to save um, for things that they might need. But that's the main thing that's in right now. There's other things in the works too, but they're very confusing and they frighten people. And that's so I don't want to say okay. that. <laughs> wow. The law, like I want to, yeah. I want to talk to you on my own. I want right. all the, the, laws things. Are, the laws are so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have we, what have we missed? Anything? What else do you want to share either from your heart as a mother, from your activism as a lobbyist? Oh, there, I think there's a, a very important thing to say. Yeah. Lobbying is you doing what you can do. You don't have to live mm -hmm. here in Virginia by DC. I feel like it's you doing whatever you feel you're comfortable with. And it could be just that you share your experience with other, with other people. You never know how that's gonna influence future legislation. It'll, if you just make more people aware of what you're dealing with every day. So if something comes about and they can't influence it, they will be more likely to support us. Mm -hmm. So I know that some people feel like they're so overwhelmed at, they, there's nothing they can do. Just think mm -hmm. about the world that you're in and your circle and how you can influence people to understand our world. And that mm -hmm. understanding will lead to the changes that we want to make. We're so busy dealing with every day that we don't always let people know what it's like, mm -hmm. what the things that we have to deal with. So yeah. tell your story. That's that. If you tell your story, that's lobbying. <laughs> that's the basic of it. I love that. That's so, that's so helpful and encouraging and insightful and inspiring. And you also let our listeners know where they can learn more about you. Do you have an Instagram handle? Do you have a website? None of the, none of the above. <laughs> Catherine is She's shaking, shaking her, her head. Like, no, yeah. Like, almost, <laughs> like I'm a busy mama. A hockey stick, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm a busy mama. I work full time. I don't have time for hardly anything. And when Steve passed away, you know, suddenly mm -hmm. here I am, I'm now the leader solo. Yeah. I went back to work full time and I thought about, okay, how can I continue to help? And the way that I saw that was when Steve passed away, I was working for the County part-time mm -hmm. and I went full time and I got myself into the health and human service agencies. So not, now mm -hmm. I work for the department of family services and in my job every day, I'm supporting my community. Mm -hmm. We deal with people Amen. from birth to death. And, um, I'm doing what I can to help them. And that's really all I can, um, that's really what I have time for while I'm supporting my family and helping everyone. Uh, I work with Abel now, um, as a board member, but it's really hard. Like you guys mm -hmm. know, <laughs> mm -hmm. where's the time, you know, I, I don't have the luxury of time anymore. So I don't mm -hmm. have any of that stuff. Um, so you're not you know, on TikTok. I, okay. Yeah, I'm not on TikTok. It looks like so much I, fun. How, 
All right. I, I, I mean, see you dancing on TikTok. Okay. Oh, that is yeah. so funny. Yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> you know we there's so i feel like social media that's a controversial topic yeah. in itself don't oh, get gosh. started you're busy you're is. doing good yes right. i have yeah. i have an instagram account but it, you know it's useless <laughs> <laughs> who wants to talk to me it's, you know uh, it's yeah you yeah. Can, yeah you can call me anytime talk i would love to i always like to help people you know, make them feel at ease because I know what it's like Thank when you're you. panicking, you're sitting at home panicking. Am I doing the right thing? Am I making, making a mistake? There's so many decisions. And mm -hmm. especially when your children are young, you're thinking, if I don't do this right, where are they going to end up later on? This could influence their yes. entire life. But Abel can influence your entire life in a positive way. Yes. I yes, love that. It's a tool. So definitely check it out. Yeah. Well, I will say Catherine from one mama to the next, to another, thank you for going ahead of us and, and sure. trails and, um, doing that, that hard work and being committed to it for your daughter and for mine and my son. And, um, it is always an honor to get to talk to, to a mama who's gone ahead. Mm -hmm. And so from the bottom of my heart, very, very grateful for the work you've done and you are seen and appreciated here in our community. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the time today to be with us. We appreciate it so much. It's a pleasure and an honor. Very good. So we, we have a segment that we call good news. If you can be thinking about good news that you want to share about your daughter, um, who has down syndrome, something little, something big and everywhere in between that we can celebrate together. So we're going to let our truly star Avis, my middle daughter, Bring us in with our good news jingle. Time for good news, time for good news. Everybody welcome to the good news. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Catherine, we're gonna, I'm gonna throw it straight to you. Do you have some good news you wanna share? I definitely do. And since March of 2020, Natalie has done so many things to help other people, to give them hope. She sent out over a thousand notes of encouragement, of love and support and hope oh to people, people she didn't even know. Send me an address. She'll send them a letter. Um, she took advantage of being at home and started to work on her healthy habits. She goes out for walks. Um, she's looked at her eating habits when she eats, how she eats. She's actually lost weight during this whole time of, I call the confinement. <laughs> and a lot of us know how hard, how hard that's been, been, um, she picked up Zumba. She picked up yoga, all thanks to zoom and, um, mm -hmm. the local, some local groups that have classes. She learned how to tie her shoes, which was something that oh was so, gosh. It always just stumped her. And yeah. she found this class on how to tie her shoes and she's doing it. Um, she encouraged me to swim. I now swim over three miles a week. She, this summer, oh, she did it. This summer, she got me in a pool and, uh, you know, it was reservation only. You could only go to a certain time. We went together. She got me swimming again. Um, so she encouraged herself and me to live more health, 
more a more healthy lifestyle. Mm. She turned 21 during this time. And so she had a drive-by celebration and she turned it into a community support to um, raise funds for a local a group of the Northern Virginia Therapeutic Riding Program and raise money for her 21st birthday to support a horse that she wants to adopt. So oh she and Maybell have been together and um, for her birthday, she decided it would be a good thing to adopt Maybell. So all those nice things have happened uh, during oh. this time. I love all that. Thanks that's like, that. that's like 10 episodes worth of good news right there. I think we're just going to leave it at that Mercedes. We right. can save ours for the next episode. I'll save mine. I'll save it. That was um, very sweet. I love that. The tying the shoe thing. I know that was a lot of, a lot of things there, but that tying the shoe at 21, it yeah. just, you know, we, we all, I think everyone raising a child with a disability and I hope every human in the world is a lifelong learner, right? Like we're mm-hmm. always learning. There's right. always opportunity for growth. Why do we forget that? Just because our child has Down syndrome doesn't mean that they're not a lifelong learner. It can't stop. We've got to continue. I love it. So 21 or 20, between the ages of 20 and 21, learning to tie her shoe is my favorite good news of the year so far. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a favorite, but I think that was really sweet. Very sweet. So thank you for sharing that, um, Catherine. And thank you to everybody who joined us today listening As always, friends, we love to hear your good news about your loved one with Down syndrome. And you can tell us through a voicemail, go to our website, Mm -hmm. theluckyfewpodcast.com for our phone number. You can email us through that site. You can DM us on Instagram at theluckyfewpod. Tell us about your loved one who has Down syndrome and their good news. If you are a listener with Down syndrome, we would love to hear from you and your good news that you want to share. Um, If you're a product or a business and you want to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, then we would also love to partner with you. You can email hello at theluckyfewpodcast.com for all future sponsorship opportunities. A huge thank you to our editor, Josh Avis, our producer, Val Schleter, our sponsor for this episode, and all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with your friends and your family, those who listen faithfully and have cheered us on. Please, if you haven't yet, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you, dear listeners, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a lobbyist and you are a shatter of worth and you are a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We're cheering for you. Can't wait to be together next week. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. All right, that is a wrap.